I'm Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 1975. The album, the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack, the artist, a lot of people, Richard O'Brien. We'll say Richard O'Brien. Richard O'Brien. My guest this week is Ryan Coltrera. Thank you so much for doing the show, buddy. Thank you for having me, man. I'm happy to be here. Um, and thank you for bringing a vinyl that I don't own, like for me to <laughs> hold, because it's nice to hold it while you talk about it. I challenged myself to fill that. I was like, what's something that he hasn't covered? He may uh-huh. not have handy. Yeah. I'm so glad I nailed it. I don't know why I've never picked it up, though. I mean, like, I enjoy all the music in this. For sure. Um, I enjoy the movie. The few times I've seen it, like, all the way through. I have to assume you've seen it live a ton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, quite a bit. You're um, the kind of guy who I assume has, like, gone out and seen it. Have you seen it a bunch live? I, I have seen it. In theaters, like movie theaters, mm-hmm. I've seen live versions. I've been in a live version once. Oh, so good. Like, yeah. Rocky Horror has been a part of my film geek and my theater geek genesis. So, yeah. Quite a few times. I love this cover. Right? There's a, there's like a, the yeah. 70s pop art of mm-hmm. that, like, that cover and... That's, that's, it's weird because it's like the 70s trying to do the 50s, so it's its own thing. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I like that a lot. Holy I mean, that cow. sums up the entire Rocky experience. Uh, yeah, it's it absolutely All these does. blends, and it's just doing its own thing. So my parents wouldn't let me watch this or listen to it until I was a certain age. Okay. Uh, my, my mom didn't care that there was transgender, which wasn't a word yet, mm-hmm. uh, as far as we knew th- stuff in it. She, she's like, just wait till you're older, because it's confusing. And <laughs> she's not wrong. I guess it would be confusing. So how you young were you when you first heard slash saw it uh there, i have a bit of a backstory with that oh, good. Okay. um so my my introduction to rocky horror mm-hmm. uh, actually came via dr demento okay um my dad knew that i was kind of getting into that kind of comedy as mm-hmm. a kid and so he bought me dr demento's greatest hits uh-huh. and that had time warp on oh, it sure yeah of course. so i knew time warp for a a solid 10 years before I knew much about Rocky Horror. Okay. Like, that was back when, you know, a mention of pelvic thrust was, it's just a dance move. Yeah, It's right. fine. It's innocent. <laughs> yeah. I played that at kids' parties, like, for Halloween. It, it, you know, inappropriate. So good. Uh, so as I got uh, further into high school, I was this guy who walked a fine line between, like, uh, a jock and a theater kid. Okay. So, like, I always did both at once. And I remember specifically the night that I became a Rocky Horror fan was... Mm-hmm. It was uh, a Friday night. We had a, f- a football game. I walked home. Uh, my girlfriend at the time was like, how are you in theater and you haven't seen Rocky Horror? Mm-hmm. And there was a theater uh, across the river from us uh, called the Seacoast Repertory Theater that did a live Rocky Horror mm-hmm. uh, every summer. Oh, I mean, where'd you grow up? I grew up in uh, Elliott, Maine. Okay. So, you know, everybody knows Elliott, sure, Maine. Sure, of course. We all know. Big metropolis. <laughs> Um, so it was like, okay, you know, I know they, I know the soundtrack, like I had grown from knowing just the time warp to listening to the soundtrack, but I'd never seen it. Mm-hmm. So I remember specifically taking off my football pads, mm-hmm. walking up to my mom, be like, mom, can I borrow some clothes to go to Rocky <laughs> Horror tonight? And not only were they like totally cool with that, but it turns out my parents had actually been very into Rocky Horror when I was a kid and had never told me that. Uh, so they would get babysitters and like had seen Rocky Horror a few times when I was a kid shit. and I had no idea. Phenomenal. So that was the night that like, it was like a rite of passage as a theater kid to get mm-hmm. into Rocky Horror. And that's where it all launched off. Football you, pads, the fishnets. Were they avoiding <laughs> showing it to you or did they just not think about it? What do you think? I just think it hadn't come up in a while. All right. And I think 
you know, I had a feeling they, they knew that day was coming mm-hmm. because, you know, I I would do theater as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just one of those things where eventually they're like, you know, the Rocky Horror Days are coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so eventually we crossed that bridge. It's weird that it's so fucking perennial. I can't I can't put a finger on why it is. Do you mm. do you have any thoughts on why it I mean, there there's so much it's it's so much about like ambiguity and growing yeah. up and hitting a certain period of your life where all you feel is ambiguity for sure for you sure. know i think there's an element of uh embracing the strange mm-hmm. that either you do or you don't mm-hmm. uh where you know there are plenty of people who would not step you know step foot into a theater to see rocky horror sure. and i feel bad for them yeah but there are certain people who are intrigued by kind of what they've heard about it and mm-hmm. like they're curious to really get into the strangeness to dress up to yell at a screen or yeah. a poor group of actors and uh I think that you know there's a timelessness to that, and every generation you know creates its own uh callbacks and they have their own experience with sure, it sure, and sure. has have their own elements to it that they kind of connect with or see as like, you know, oh, that's taboo. And, you know, Mm -hmm. every generation evolves with Rocky Horror, I feel. It's true. It's true. Do you, um, well, I don't want to ask this this early because I always like to ask people's favorite tracks, but we we will get there. Sure. So when did you, so you first saw it in Maine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where are the other places you've gotten the chance to see it and then perform in it? Sure. Um, I saw it at... When I went to college in Boston, mm-hmm. that was uh, a, probably once or twice a month they would do it in Boston, and mm-hmm. my friends would go every couple months. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, I, uh, me and a bunch of my friends took a bus down to New York City to see it with our friends down there. Awesome. Which is kind of what, one of the places where the cult following really began. Yeah. So we got to see it at kind of the genesis. Um and it was fun because I had a bunch of my friends who had never seen it come down there. So, you know, they did the whole writing the V on the yeah, forehead for Virgin and made them all do it. <laughs> and because I was with them, they made me do it with them, even though I was like, I'm a seasoned expert at this point. Right, right. But, you know, it's all in, it's all in good fun. It's of course. In, uh, so, yeah, we did New York. Um, and then uh, our college did a, uh, a shadow cast version of it once with mm-hmm. like some live performances. Um I did that my senior year, and I got to play Riff Raff. I was very awesome. excited, uh, and that was it was super last minute, but it was you know it was a lot of fun. So that was my only time appearing in it, and then I've seen it a couple times out here in sunny Los Angeles. Yeah, but I I hadn't gotten to revisit it in a couple years, so I was excited when this was what we picked because I it's kind of like um, uh, uh, scratching that itch again, yeah. I suppose. Well, it's hard because I've got on the list, like, I've got a bunch of things that later on I was like, I shouldn't have them in the list for people to pick from because mm. they're musicals, but they're, oh, so very comedy adjacent. But for sure. this is easily the most comedy musical that anybody's ever picked for the show because right. it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. And sometimes even without intending to be. Of course. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which is I, great. Yeah. I, I love, um, there's so much going on. And there, there's, there's too much history to pack into one thing. So what, all right. So if it's that integral to who you are, it's actually, I, I love that you picked this because it's also part of the reason that you and I have now performed together. Because if it wasn't for this interactive theater, drinking game would not exist. That is very true. There's a, no doubt about that. 
And I came from that kind of in the same way I came to Rocky Horror, where I was in the audience first, you know, yelling stuff at you guys, Mm -hmm. and then eventually joined you up on stage. Mm -hmm. So another full circle. Yeah, no, (laughs) that was a good time. Um, So you've got a ton of notes, so I don't want to ignore your notes. I want to know what kind of thoughts you have. I want to know what kind of stuff we're talking about. I mean, these are just, I wrote down some random thoughts Mm -hmm. as I rewatched the movie and listened to the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the... (laughs) The first thing that really struck me about this re-listening to it mm-hmm. is how certain points of it are, like, really unpolished. Uh-huh. Like, there's, there's like, a little bit of, like, uh, a roughness to it that almost feels like a student film that I enjoy. Uh-huh. Like, it's a, it's a group of theater kids getting together to make an album. I mean, there's, you know, there's parts where they're very clearly just cutting to audio from the movie that sound completely different than the studio recordings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um... You know, the, the voice of Rocky changes track to track because they have different session recorders. That's so Which funny. I had not noticed till very recently when I listened to it is the track. That's hilarious. Like, he changes. And <laughs> it, there's, you know, some rough edges to it that adds to some charm, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am i didn't rewatch it, so I only, re, I only re-listened to it. So I guess mm. some of that stuff is not necessarily, like, the differences between the two are not. Do you know if any... Does anything exist in terms of recordings of like the stuff they did before the movie that you know of? I'm like sure the... they must be out there, right? Because yeah, it was, it was on Broadway for a pretty short time before they ended up making it into a movie. Yeah, so I'm sure there must be some sort of original cast recording, unless this is it. Right, right. Because it's you know it's mostly the same people who did the show. That's so fair. I guess this would be the closest we have them. I'm sure there are you know people who are. Bigger, bigger Rocky fans and I screaming at their phones right now, being like, it's, yeah, "You course. idiot!" Well, I, I have a close friend who has been a fan from day one, and oh, if yeah. she listens to this, she's gonna tear me a new one. Oh. Well, at least I'm admitting <laughs> I don't know shit. I'm just here to find some stuff out. That's fair, you know. So uh, let's talk a little bit about one of your projects because it's gonna lead into my question, mm. which may go nowhere. Okay, but you go to a lot of movie locations, which is my shit. I love doing that. Yeah. So talk about it a little bit. Sure. Um, I am the host of a show called Where It Was Made. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is we go around to the film locations of classic movies. Uh, We've done uh, Back to the Future, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hocus Pocus, like all these, you know, beloved cult classic films. And we kind of show how the locations look today. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get to talk to people who are involved in it. Like we, you know, uh, interviewed uh, Bob Gale for Back to the Future and Robert England for Elm Street. Um, uh, Carl Gottlieb, Gottlieb for Jaws. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an excuse for me to do nerdy stuff and call it a profession, essentially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we uh, we were originally a part of the uh, Joe Blow Movie Network, and you can still see all our episodes on there. Mm-hmm. We are currently shopping for a new home, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to kind of step it up, turn it into a full half-hour episode instead awesome. of, like, 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the show is kind of... Uh, in transition at the moment. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I do nerdy stuff and I call it a job. That's amazing. Because <laughs> I've seen a lot of the places you've been going to, including some stuff in your, your home state. Mm-hmm. Some Stephen King stuff. Oh, yeah. Have you gone to anything from Rocky Horror? Because I don't know if anything was shot over here or if it was all shot over there. I If I ever make my way to England, I know where it is. Mm, you know where everything is. Okay. I, I know the castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's 90% of the film. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I know the, the castle... Uh, I, I do know is somewhere in England. I have, I have a little spreadsheet of locations I want to visit eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You know, when I go to England, I'll cross off, you know, where they did the shot the Winchester from Shaun of the Dead, where they did the yeah. castle for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, they chose that castle, actually, because um, it was so heavily featured in so many Hammer horror films. Okay. I love it. So there was a lot of kind of old school uh, horror leading to that choice to shoot there as, mm-hmm. you know, they referenced a lot of, you know, Christopher Lee films by picking that shot there. I think a couple Dracula projects. Mm-hmm. So that castle has a lot of history prior to Rocky Horror and afterwards, I assume, too. Yeah. What was your fandom of movies like growing up? Because it's obviously your thing now. But I mean, like, mm. what what got you sucked into movies? Were you into horror movies? Like, I'm curious what this was to you when you saw it. If all the references were obvious when you were a kid or what? Um, This was a little later in, you know, the development of my uh, my nerdiness. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really all started when I was... Like, what really launched my genesis into film nerd was... Uh, six years old Jurassic Park. Okay. And I saw that and that kind of, you know, I got obsessed with dinosaurs and all that. And then my parents, you know, kind of explained what a movie was mm-hmm. to me. Cause I was like, this is crazy. How do they do this? And like, well, those aren't real dinosaurs. Those were done by a man named Stan Winston. You know, Steven Spielberg directed this and I just dove in so hard on figuring out everything I could about movies. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the, the birth of it. I decided at six years old, I'm going to be involved in film. I'm going to move to Hollywood. Yeah. It's in progress, mm-hmm. but um, that was kind of the genesis, and then the whole horror thing, because that's kind of my that's my bread and butter these days. Yeah. I do I host a, a horror show. I my apartment is permanent Halloween decor. That's like mm-hmm. one of my defining traits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that started with like Goosebumps, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and mm-hmm. those were kind of the the gateway drug to horror, and then. Rocky Horror itself opened up the the B movie world to me. Yeah, like that when you heard all those names they mentioned in the opening song, mm-hmm. that led to me researching like, okay, who's Claude Rains? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's the day the Earth stood still? And so this was kind of the birth of my love of B movies was, awesome. was Rocky Horror because they go out of their way to reference and introduce you to some of those you know B movies of the past. Yeah, while also being a major one themselves. Right. This movie is so, it's a weird way to homage and pick fun and mm. also just entirely <laughs> sexualize <laughs> a genre. Like, right. I don't know where it comes from. Richard O'Brien has since said that he believes that he's uh, 70% male but 30% female. Like, he mm-hmm. believes he's some somewhat transgender. It's only something he's realized in his later life. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why he made this at all i'm glad it exists but do you have a feeling or do you know more about it than i do buddy i got nothing on that one <laughs> there, it, it, there are certain parts i still watch i'm like why is this happening <laughs> but that's that's what makes the movie so fun it's like everything feels like it's just out of right field at all yeah. times yeah so i don't think there's any true explanation as to why this movie and why the soundtrack is a thing <laughs> it just is yeah yeah <laughs> how about the okay so we'll get to the soundtrack but the movie is there yeah. a particular chunk of it that you absolutely love more than anything else that stuck with you maybe first for sure um i mean uh, the first quarter of the film for me and the soundtrack remain my favorite the mm-hmm. uh science science fiction double feature through uh sweet transvestite yep that that section of that film is like if I had to only watch a quarter of the film, it would be that part because mm-hmm. you cover, 
you know, you cover the them finding the castle, the, the, the time warps in there. That's like the purest Rocky Horror tidbit for me is yeah. that first part. Same here. I was re-listening to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that whole stretch. I'm like, I know everything here. And then from here, I actually kind of fall off. Yeah. Much as I like them, I don't remember the lyrics as much. For sure. You know. Yeah. No, that, I mean, they're, the, the whole back half, I mean, it certainly has its gems and memorable moments. But there are very few people who are going to list, you know, uh, Eddie as their favorite song or <laughs> right. superheroes. And, but, you know, it you can't have one without the other. Sure. And... The first half is certainly a lot stronger in my book, but yeah. any Rocky Horror is good in my book. Well, yeah, absolutely. Have you made any friends over Rocky Horror? Like, have you met any people there or, like, gotten closer to friends mm. because of it? Definitely closer with friends. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, something about, you know, you're, you're, you and your high school friends hanging out and then going to a show in Fishnets together that mm-hmm. really brings you together. Uh-huh. And, you know, in later in life, that would also come with... Uh, uh, copious amounts of drinking of course of <laughs> um, course <laughs> which it there's definitely a bonding experience to that and kind of you know l- learning the callbacks together and mm-hmm. seeing how weird your friends can get mm-hmm. in a, in this safe theatrical experience <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely brought me closer to some of my friends and you know i i think most of most of my previous relationships like Rocky Horror was like a benchmark. It was like, okay, let's see how we do okay. at Rocky Horror together. Mm-hmm. And most of the time it was their idea, which is a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like you learn a lot about your friends doing Rocky Horror together. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, to be fair, it's like, how open-minded are you? Let's, let's like, you know, let's yeah. pry into your brain a bit. Exactly. Are you comfortable with yourself, you know? I mean, I, th- I think back to a particular moment where I ended up taking my uh, college graduation party uh, to the same theatrical Rocky Horror mm-hmm. uh, across the river after I graduated. And, like, everyone got, you know, we all got weird. I I think I wore, like, a bow tie and short shorts, and that's it. And then <laughs> we had one friend who was kind of he, – he was trying. He's, like, kind of a little bit of a rednecky kind of dude because, okay. you know, okay. from Maine. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> we're all dressed super weird, and he shows up in, like – a Canadian tuxedo and a sombrero. And we're like, I mean, you're trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that kind of said a lot about like his comfort with this experience. I'm like, you're trying, man. You're trying. <laughs> That's amazing. They're on a level, it's perfect because it's so off entirely. Like on a level that's very, it's perfect. For sure. Um, with the very exception that no one has ever found that outfit you just described sexually stimulating. No. I'm going to venture that, you know. But the cast tried. Of course sure. he got picked on. Well, of course, of course. And that entire audience, I mean, your your goal then in that room is to make him so uncomfortable with your sexuality or what he thinks it is mm-hmm. that he at least has to think about it for a few minutes. That's That feels like the goal, right? That is, yeah. Get people in the room. How comfortable are you? You know, yeah, I, I kind sure. of love that because, I mean, I remember... I've only seen it live once, and that was in mm. the, the theater in Santa Monica that does it. Do they still do it weekly? I believe every Friday night. Jesus, yeah. it's insane. And like, and I've been here 16 years, and I don't know that there's a weekend that they've taken off. Uh, and yeah, I remember being like, just so I'm like, am I, I? I've never been in a room where a bunch of women are in lingerie. I don't know what to do. This is so uncomfortable. <laughs> women and men. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But uh, the and the women were doing the dance. They've also at that. Speaking of like drinking game style stuff, they mm. do that same thing with other movies. Like I saw them do Grease 2 because I really? love Grease 2. Okay. Okay. It's a 
terrible movie. It sure is. Uh, but I love it. <laughs> I, I loved it growing up. But like, it's 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 got. You know, what's weird though about that. I interviewed some people about Grease two once, and, I, and yeah, I, I love it. And I'm interviewing some people, and I figure that they're going to be like so super sincere and not realize what's going on. And I want to see what happens because I'm a young asshole. And one guy's <laughs> like, "Yeah, Grease two is the reason I came out of the closet." I'm like, "Oh, well, never mind." Never okay. mind. I can't shit on it anymore. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's that's when you yeah. If it's got those same one. power as Rocky Horror for somebody, interesting. You know I, mean? I yes. never knew Grease Two had that big of like a following. Yeah, yeah, and I, it's got a big gay following. Like, I and, had no yeah. idea. Yeah, so it's one of those things where I'm like, I I know that it's not the best film in the world. Sure, <laughs> but I did not know that it had that angle to it. You I, know what I mean? Nor Isn't that did weird? I. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You wouldn't expect that. Yeah, that's at all. news to me. <laughs> Uh, at some point, we are definitely covering Grease 2 on this podcast. I can't say who with, but that is definitely happening at some point because I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm excited to hear I'm this. I'm weirdly obsessed. And also the novelization, worth uh, a read, apparently. They wrote a book Oh, yeah. They of a musical. It. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. And apparently sure. the guy who novelized it got real creepy when getting in the heads of one of the teachers. It's real weird when a, a, an author is really inserting themselves into a... I'm yeah. so curious. Yeah, now. right. Yeah, I know. I'm going to have to talk like to Like, my part. weekend plans are changing. <laughs> As we're talking about this, I'm like, guess I need to go find Grease 2, the book. <laughs> Did this, because I feel like this solidified, I mean, I already knew, here's a weird thing. I knew who Tim Curry was before this because I grew up on Clue. Mm. So this was like, whoa, wait, what the fuck but and i feel like this gate did did you become like a fan of anybody in particular after watching this and have to like dig into all of their stuff because there's so many people in this who ended up being famous but. for sure um i mean it it's it's tim curry's show for yeah. sure yeah i mean i i knew him but i didn't know him when i saw this you know i i'd mm -hmm. seen it sure i'd seen clue sure uh muppet treasure island right you must have grown up with fern gully of course yeah, okay yep. but i for some reason i never really connected those in my head fair. as the same guy fair and then I saw this and I went back and I was like, well, who is this guy? And, you know, did, did a little bit of research pre-IMDb. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, he's been in all these things I love. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, he skyrocketed in my head. But, you know, his performance in this is the most pure Tim Curry you can get. Just the wacky Absolutely. Queen Elizabeth impression he's I doing. I love it It's so, so bonkers. <laughs> like, that's my favorite Tim Curry is when they just let him go crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would have killed to see this on stage. I know, right? Uh, it's so frustrating. Have you met anybody who's been in the film or involved with it? Um, I met, um, somewhat met Barry Boswick. Uh huh. Um, about a month or two ago, I was working uh, a convention here in California called Monster Palooza. Uh huh. And he was a guest uh, and had a table. Amazing. And Love I just it. I you know I was working, so I didn't really get to be as much of a fan as I would have hoped. Sure, that happens. But I did go up and say hello, and um, and I, I guess coming back to this, uh, speaking to how there's already another generation embracing this, mm -hmm. there was a family there uh, in line with him I saw later during this convention mm -hmm. with two kids dressed as uh, Riff Raff and Magenta, Holy which is either shit. the best or worst parents. I know. <laughs> like, how much do you let those kids see? I know. Is there a family edit? I'm now thinking, how do you edit this movie? And I think it's just the time warp. Family. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, 100%. What's Rocky Horror? Oh, Time Warp, right? That five-minute short film? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But there's already another generation already, like maybe unwittingly, but like yeah. embracing it. Oh my god! But unfortunately, he's the only one I've met. I would, I'd love to meet, you know, everybody involved in this. Richard O'Brien and of course. of course Tim Curry. Yeah. But uh, how about you? 
Uh, no. I, I keep... I would love to meet Richard O'Brien for a number of reasons. He's also in Dark City, which is a fucking brilliant, underrated movie. Hell and yeah. he's great in it. He's kind of nos- like a Nosferatu noir mm. detective. Uh, there's no... I can't even explain those. I can't explain that movie. It's been so long. I do love that movie. It's a great movie, yeah. right? Uh, also, one of those things that's actually worth listening to the... Um, the uh, commentary for because Roger Ebert does it and uh, really yeah it's great it's very oh. good because he just loved it and it's basically him talking about how much it's a modern day metropolis and it's very much the same film and... high praise but I dig it yeah absolutely I have not and they, I desperately obviously would love to meet anybody who's involved with it mm. <sighs> okay let's do this though favorite <laughs> song what's your favorite song I'm gonna very quickly grab it from you because sure. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try and make a determination for myself which All I, right. I can't I well, mean I know what it is my favorite song opens it I mean, everybody loves the time warp, but I love science fiction double feature. Yeah, um, I yeah. think there's there's a, a a gentle nostalgia that they bring you into the movie with that I enjoy. There, mm-hmm. there's, uh, you know, I love all the references. Mm-hmm. I love how it plays out in the film. It's just a pair of singing lips. Yes, it's simple. It's not, you know, it's the calm before the storm that is this album. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I love how it opens. Mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for a good opening track. A good opening to a film it's both at once right um you know there's a lot to dive into if you don't know what they're talking about it kind of sets yeah. up like here's what we're about to reference go do your homework mm-hmm. um and yeah it's just it's one of those tracks that you can just kind of throw into a playlist and listen to without like your friends being like why mm-hmm. <laughs> which you know i do anyway but yeah. um yeah it's it's a simple track i like it and you know it's hard Everyone wants to say the time warp. I want to say the time warp, but sure. I don't want to be cliche. No, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but the time warp's so good. It, it is great. I mean, you you it, it's hard not to like. There, have you ever seen the show Spaced? Of course. Okay, well, that's, course. there's just one really funny bit where they make fun of how much people like the time warp right. parties, and I, that's what I think of whenever I think of the time warp. Now. It's it's the it's people's access point for yeah. people who don't even know Rocky Horror. hundred percent. Which is funny because they 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 pinball wizard that mm-hmm. where that was a last minute addition to uh to the play they were so interesting they were at 40 minutes mm-hmm. of the play and they're like we need to make this longer we need like a dance number or something and they wrote that like last minute <laughs> and much in the same way that you know the who wrote pinball wizard last mm-hmm. minute and that ended up being the breakout track so was the time warp wow which is bonkers that's so crazy we, we gotta we gotta write a good piece of pop here it goes to show that it's hard rivers cuomo to just sit and plan out your <laughs> pop music sorry Ooh, I, putting them on blast i don't know why i have such a problem with rivers cuomo's style, songwriting style. now he will never be on this show <laughs> son of a bitch uh it's it's a movie okay so it does it starts like it's strange and off-putting because it is just a pair of lips mm. But it's like, it also is very much like, this is strange, but I can stick around. And then you get this weird 50s-ish couple, Mm -hmm. and they're just going through some dumb old cliche horror shit. Sure. And then, like, when it hits the wall, like, hits the fan, it's just not at all... I just love this build to what this movie becomes. Right. And I still still could not tell you the plot of the movie. (laughs) Okay, I've seen it enough. I still couldn't tell you the plot. (sighs) Right? Right? Same. There's a, I mean, the entire, what's the fucking one where the RKO towers in the background and they're all floating in a pool? I don't know what's happening Mm -hmm. there. I remember originally seeing that and being like, what am I, should I enjoy, my mom told me I'd enjoy this. What am I, and I like, part of me really likes it and part of me's so confused. Yeah. And I like it because I'm confused. I think that that sentence right it's there it, right? sums up the entire experience. It's it. What are the parts that you think are unintentionally funny? This is what I want to talk about because it seems so self-aware, but I bet there's some parts in there that 
a hundred percent were not like intended to be the kind of funny they end up being now. Mm. Okay, uh, it's the things I learned about uh, through seeing it in the theaters that audiences pointed out the um, the accidental injuries that made it into the film. Oh my I god! Okay, funny. please hit me. There's uh, <laughs> that's what they said. Um, <laughs> Because they had such a low budget, mm-hmm. they only had like one or two takes. Sure. And so there are so many times where actors are accidentally hitting each other in the face. Oh. Or like <laughs> poor Susan Sarandon gets her, her hand pounded on by Barry Boswick in a scene oh when, when he pounds his fist on the table. Oh, And shit. she actually gets her revenge later in the film. Uh-huh. During that pool sequence, she like throws her hands up and hits him in the face. <laughs> and it kind of looks intentional. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Which like, you know, fair is fair. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of little things like that throughout this film where it's like you can tell like they're so tightly on budget. They had one take, mm-hmm. whatever we get makes it in. And there's so many wrinkles here and there. And I think that just adds to the charm of it all. For sure. It's one um, of those movies that weirdly like it's the writing and the music. And it's all competent. Mm. And then when they make it, it's just it's strange to me that that actually is an actual element of it, that there are actual limitations because they're making fun of movies that had so many budget limitations so that naturally it just falls into like, I want to know what would happen if tomorrow you gave Edgar Wright a shitty budget to make an homage to a thing with a shitty budget. Mm -hmm. I want to know what would fall apart and what wouldn't. Cause this is early homage culture. This is like, this is, this is maybe not the first, but it is definitely on the cusp of, I mean, it starts out, like you say, it's like a whole song about here are things you should know about. You right. know, and that's yeah, exactly. That's and it's very sweet, and it's very it's it's almost sappy. Yeah, but yeah, it is. It's a hundred percent homage culture, but it's its own thing because it puts it all in a blender. It, you can tell there's a very sweet, genuine approach deep down underneath yeah. all this insanity, and you know, um, I mean, what is what is yours? Your your personal favorite track? On sweet transvestite. There's Actually. no doubt about it. For and sure, that's for mostly sure. because it is one of the best entrances in the history of film. Yes. One of the best exits in the history of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it show if you didn't know that Tim Curry could sing like a motherfucker, it shows you <laughs> holy shit. Yes. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs to sing. Mm-hmm. It's the reason I want us to do a drinking game. <laughs> I'll have to lose about 50 pounds, but it's one reason <laughs> I want to do a drinking game of this. Oh my God. Because please do right. It needs to happen. It need, but like not with the original tracks. I want us to actually sing it. Those of us who can oh sing. <laughs> it would be amazing, right? That would be so cool. I mean, it would probably be the craziest version of that show because it would probably end up being the drunkest. I feel oh, like. Oh, for sure. Right. And there'd be at least one person fucking somewhere that shouldn't be fucking because i just feel like that they would just inspire that in someone yeah you know i maybe mean, it's happened in drinking games before i don't know i don't hang around to see what happens i mean but I, I don't know I've who been watches in the audience for a lot there's uh i don't know who watches me as vizini is and like yeah you know what let's do this because uh, i'm gonna say that would turn you off immediately i mean speak for yourself <laughs> <laughs> things get weird in that audience man <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> Do you re-listen to this a lot, or is it just something you pick up on occasion? Like, what's how? Where's its place in your life? Yeah, I, I re-listen to to it um, quite a bit. It's on the rotation of like the front half of my record crate, mm-hmm. where you know it'll be the middle of you know January or February, and I'll be listening to this on full blast. I'm like, I bet my neighbors think I'm so weird. <laughs> it's like, it's February. I'm the guy with, you know, jack-o'-lanterns on his door listening to Rocky Horror at mm-hmm. 8 o'clock while he's cooking chicken. <laughs> so quite a bit. I yeah, it's 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 in my soundtrack rotation quite heavily because mm-hmm. it's so good. Yeah. But again, usually it's just the first half, and then sure. I'll switch to, like, 
you know, maybe I'll flip it over. We'll see how, you know, the, the cooking's going. Right. But for some reason, this has become like a I'm cooking dinner, let's throw in Rocky Horror soundtrack. <laughs> I don't know. It's That's strange. That's really funny. Do you, is there a song in here that strikes you as the funniest since we're talking about comedy? Is there one that, like, is particular, is like, this is genuinely mm. get, makes me laugh? Or did? Because, right. I mean, things that we make do you laugh don't always make you laugh out loud eventually, but... That's fair. We I hadn't thought about it, so this might take a moment. So I had not even thought about this question until That's a good now. Question, man. Um, let's see here. Because I honestly think there's a lot that when I was young pulled laughs out of me that are more sincere, like just ha 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 transvestite. Like I feel like as a kid I thought that was a laugh line, and now I'm like, no, that's just who the character right. is. That's 100 yeah, yeah, yeah. just the character. Uh, I didn't understand that it was a thing. You know what I mean? And yeah, I don't know. I feel like mm. I should point out anybody who hasn't seen the movie, he is from a planet called <laughs> Transsexual Transylvania. I'll leave this to you. So uh, <laughs> there's so much going on. There's so so much going on with no justification. It makes just zero sense. Yeah. He's such I, a great villain. I think, let's see, for me, I think the funniest tracks probably are either I Can Make You a Man mm-hmm. because of just the, the his like genuine just thirstiness in that it's song so, i'd forgotten that and re-listening to it he's just like having trouble getting through the lyrics right well that's it's his delivery <laughs> so good that makes it all good because you like that's one of those ones we can just see that scene in your head playing mm-hmm. out because of his delivery in that song um yeah pro- probably that one for me that that's fair or hot patootie just because that's yeah. just it's meatloaf being meatloaf mm-hmm. on screen and it's not just the song itself that's funny to me yeah but that they spend, they give this character this entire introduction scene almost to immediately get killed off. Yeah, after. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, why are we even bothering doing this? Is this the thing that made Meatloaf think he could act too? I'm wondering. Is that like they gave him mm. a, a couple scenes in a movie? I blame those. Yeah, yeah, right. It's fair. But I mean, the character is just Meatloaf. meatloaf yeah, Meatloaf, so. just like a with a slightly different outfit, I guess. It, yeah. And he's good in the Tenacious D movie. I will give him that. Like, he's very funny for his five minutes in the Tenacious Sure, D sure. That's back when he could still sing. Apparently, he can't sing much anymore. Sad. R.I.P. Meatloaf's voice. <laughs> you didn't say it. I'm saying all the controversy. I thought you were things. about to say R.I.P. Meatloaf. I was like, did I miss something? <laughs> Wait, shit. What the? Huh? <laughs> if Meatloaf dies before you release this episode, this is on it's you. It's all on me. 100%. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, oh man, did you get to tell Barry Bostwick anything specific or did you just, this is just like a quick, hey, how are you, big fan? Pretty quickly that, because I I was actively working, but I'm like, he's right over there. I should just say, hey, like it was basically, hey, how are you, big fan, you know, and Rocky Horror was part of my genesis into theater geek. And he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, thank you very much. That happens to a lot of people. I'm like, (laughs) sure it does, man. I'm sure it does. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder how often he hears that. But also it's nice that he's still like considerate because some people can be, um less than considerate if you sure. maybe tell them you play them in a drinking game show of their very famous movie and this person charges you 20 bucks for their autograph and still doesn't seem to be remotely interested. You're going to talk to about me that later. off air. Yep, I will absolutely <laughs> do that. And that person also knows another friend of mine who's in a drinking game. It was very kind to them about it, but they mm. did not give a shit. Maybe they were having a bad day. It's fine. We'll Maybe they didn't that, like yeah. Phoenix Comic Con. Maybe that wasn't their, their jam. I mean, it's hot down it's there. It's very hot, right? You know... <laughs> That that's on Phoenix. Barry Bostwick has a weird like he's this weird nexus because of his association for me with Michael mm. J. Fox, if only because of Spin City. Like my brain then is like he's got this he's he's a little bit of everywhere for me. Because anybody yeah. who's related directly to Michael J. Fox is like got this 
you know, it's all branching out. It's like the John Hodgman of then. John Hodgman, I've noticed everybody I'm a fan of who's an mm. internet person, he's at the hub. I think yeah. he's in control of them all, possibly. I mean, I, I can see your your tack board with all the uh, the red yarn connecting. Yeah, I don't like to, to talk about Hodgman. it, but yeah, I didn't want to call you out on the on the air, but uh, yeah, it's you know. fine. Sorry about that. You you make all the you know assumptions you want about it. I'm just a big fan of his. <laughs> the red yarn yeah, was oh, on sure. sale. The red be? yarn was on sale. Uh, that's true. Michaels is very generous exactly. with their pricing. You're correct. Absolutely, so, I get that. <laughs> When's the last time you dressed up for Rocky Horror? Ooh, um, it's been about. Two years or so now. All right. I, I've I've fallen out of the loop a little bit, which is why I was excited to get back into it for this. Yeah. So yeah. it'll probably be happening again soon now that I've really uh, <laughs> gotten back into listening to this. Um, yeah, it's been been a couple years. Last time I did it was Santa Monica, mm-hmm. and like it was it was very half-assed because it was we decided like two hours beforehand that we were going. I was like, I don't know. Guess I'm just not wearing a shirt tonight <laughs> and like black pants. It was it was not my A game. Sure. But it was something. Hey, it's definitely something. It's something. Does it? Because like something like this has is about nostalgia, but it's now at a mm. point where it can give people nostalgia for nostalgia for nostalgia. So, for you, it's gonna. I'm assuming maybe give you nostalgia for like your high school days and for theater days. Does it still sure. have that at its core? Oh yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Do you miss you? I don't know how much theater do you do now because it's L.A. Who does theater? <clears throat> ah, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just wondering. Does it make you think back on that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, it it definitely makes me miss being in that world, and you know I've I since coming to LA I've kind of stepped behind the scenes a little bit more, and only recently I've started to get back on the actually entertaining people end. Um, so there, I'm already in this stage of like I miss doing that and mm-hmm. not just being behind the scenes. So I think you know there's a big resurgence for that for me right now, but yeah. uh, I certainly get in that zone when I play Rocky Horror, which is probably why science fiction double features part of my favorite is because I can still picture those opening notes, mm-hmm. the lights in the theater coming down, you yeah. know, everyone kind of getting settled in for a weird night. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a nostalgia connected to this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh man, I'm now trying to think what the fuck theater is even out here that would would like scratch that itch mm. maybe other than a drinking game. I will say, you never introduced yourself to me when I originally met you as an actor, so good job on not being the most self promotion y actor in the world. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> you, well, <laughs> not a lot of competition on that in Los Angeles. So. Right. <laughs> and it's now occurring to me the show we did was Jurassic Park, which was like your film that got you into shit. So it how was. excited were you to do that? Dude, I was so excited. Like, um, yeah, that, like, Jurassic Park is like a golden film for me. Mm-hmm. So when I saw that you guys were having auditions for it, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm throwing myself into this full throttle. I'm so glad you did. Thank you. It was you, a blast. It paid off, and you were very funny in Thank it. you. you were, I, I had mean, a blast with that. There are times when, let's say, people like myself are like, well, I get to do this show, so I don't know. I maybe have phoned it in once or twice. Maybe mm-hmm. if I don't have an accent to do or, or a voice, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I'm watching you, and I'm like, fuck, right. We have to try that hard. <laughs> you were you were busting your ass, and it was very, very funny. But I love that you. it was Jurassic Park that, that was your shit. It, it, yeah. I, no, it was that was a perfect entry point for me into joining you guys. I left the theater from Jurassic and I was six years older than you at the time. I was so scared of them eating the cow and made me so sad. Really? I had to leave. I was a little baby. Understandable. I couldn't handle it. That, that's tough for a six-year-old. I, I get that. Also, that your big fandom is like the last perfect use of cg in a movie because it's oh yeah so good i mean i we could do a whole nother podcast on my feelings on practical effects sure one of my other gigs 
is I work for the Stan Winston School, who are, of course, the guys who made the dinosaurs for that film. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I have this bias towards, like, the blend of practical and CG. Mm-hmm. And that, that movie, like, nailed that balance. Yeah. There's a lot. Yes, we could talk about oh, that yeah. forever. We could talk about the effects in Rocky Horror. Is there anything that you particularly <laughs> like in Rocky Horror? Because there's a lot of, like, old school shit in it. That is all practical effects, mm-hmm. yeah, except for that castle lightning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. Sorry, we should loop this back to Rocky. We'll save. We'll save Jurassic Park for this another day. This is my fault. I did this. I, you didn't know the can of worms you were opening. That's fair. Because <laughs> I don't ever think about this movie in terms of production value, and you've seen it more than I have. Sure, and you know, in in preparation for coming here, I did did a little bit of research on that end of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Half the sets in that film were just taken from the theater to the soundstage. Oh my god! They already like the a lot of the material they used for the second half of the film, mainly like the the weird pool sequence Mm -hmm. and all that was like half stuff they just brought over from their theater set. All right, and the rest of it was just stuff that was in other houses. Yeah. Um, I read on imdb trivia and I, so you know take this with a grain sure, of salt sure that some of the effects were uh too real the skeleton in the clock apparently was a real skeleton wow don't know if that's true amazing but the internet says it's true and you can always trust that sure absolutely. so and that really shows on the album when mm-hmm. you're listening to it you're like there's a real skeleton somewhere <laughs> as they're doing this <laughs> I'm getting so distracted from talking about the album. I'm sorry. It's fine. We're talking about Rocky Horror in general, so it doesn't matter. It's hard matter. to separate the full experience, though, you know? Mm-hmm. It's hard to... Ha- you can't have one without the other. You no. can't have the soundtrack without the, you know, on screen and the audience. So right. it is a little hard in this case to Well, especially, separate. like, it's it's so telling that you discovered it through the music first, mm. but then now, inseparable. Like, at first you didn't know. What were you picturing when you were hearing this stuff? <laughs> This is what I don't know. Ah, uh, boy. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a good question. Um, I mean, when I was a kid, I just pictured it because I had seen a couple visuals of it, mostly okay. from the time warp scene. Yeah. So I thought this whole movie was just about a big party, <laughs> like because you know you see you yeah, see the the Transylvanian perfect. folks with the hats on and they're dancing and I'm, so like half this stuff, like I thought uh, Touch a Touch Me was about dancing because you know to dance with someone you have to touch them you put uh-huh. your hands on them. i was like yeah sure. that's just about like dancing with somebody uh <laughs> listening so to this film before like you know becoming a teenager uh-huh. was strange yeah that's amazing like I, I can't think of what else on here particularly was um completely wrong in my mm-hmm. estimation of what it would be mm-hmm. oh i thought frankenstein was in it because <laughs> the Fair. because of the track over at frankenstein sure. place yeah so I thought in my head, the character of Rocky was just a straight up Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, that's fair. Um, which I, you know, I guess he's the the sexy surrogate of a Frankenstein's monster. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was way wrong on that one. <laughs> yeah, it was confusing knowing the music before the actual content. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but glad except I know that it you made up on you made you had it in your head. You had something in your head. It was until... a weird children's PG version of Rocky yeah. Horror. <laughs> yep. I'm now wondering. If somebody could make that, <laughs> I'm now just trying to picture what the fuck that would be. Your <laughs> version of Rocky Horror. Your little kid's version of Rocky Horror. It's all that about dancing so and a party <laughs> yeah. and a big Frankenstein's monster. It was essentially the Monster Mash. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, you were picturing. That's so beautiful. Monster <laughs> Mash the movie. Is there, uh, I want to know some more trivia. Do you have any more trivia in your back pocket? Oh, sure. 
Again, uh, I love see. when people bring notes because I almost never take them because it's all about what my guest thinks. Sure, sure. You, you've got so much written down I here. did. I did my work. Yeah. Um, okay, well. Yes, hit me. One of the trivias is that they were offered a big, bigger budget for this film mm-hmm. uh, and ended up turning it down because they wanted it to have the charm of the theatrical production. Love it. Love it. Which, if they had had the budget, the mm-hmm. studio wanted either Mick Jagger, David Bowie, or Cher to play uh, Frank. All not bad choices visually. Mm-hmm. David Bowie would have been the best choice vocally. I, 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 I there's a part of me that would love to see a David Bowie version yeah. of Rocky Horror. Yeah. His voice is close enough to Tim Curry's, and that's why my brain is going there. Mm. I I wouldn't mind Cher. Cher's awesome. I don't care for Mick Jagger, but that's just a personal preference. That is so weird. Yeah, that's right. right. You, you keep forgetting. Once I get the money, like, well, okay, well, you got the money, put a star in it. Nobody's yeah. ever heard of this Tim Curry guy. And I'm I'm very glad they turned that down. For real. It was a nice move being like, let's just do it with the people we did the show with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that ended up making things a lot more difficult for him in the mm-hmm. end because tight budgets and whatnot. But yeah, yeah. It, they made a good call yeah, on, on that did. sort of thing. That's fantastic. Oh, let's see. What else? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Nell, Nell Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, who played Columbia, was discovered busking on the sidewalk. And when she got cast in this film, her mother said she shouldn't do the actual album because she has a voice that could open a soup can. <laughs> <laughs> oh which is <laughs> wonderful motherly support. Holy shit. But also is not entirely wrong, but that works for her character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Holy crap. Oh, yeah. Let's see. What, uh, That's yeah. a delight. I just... Really I, I really know. now want to see your episode visiting the... The, lo- the the fucking castle. Like, God, I want to know. I what would, that's... I would okay, if you go, do you do you ever go in? Co- like, would you straight up dress up for it, Be- or are you gonna have to keep a host persona? Mm. Well, I, I walk that line on the show. Yeah. You know, when we did Back to the Future, I dressed as Marty. Sure. When uh, we did Beetlejuice, I dressed as him without the makeup. Right. It's different when you got to dress sexy, though. People are. It's, it might be you hard. Don't to... find Beetlejuice sexy. Sure. Come on, man. Actually, there. There is a really great episode of the Blank Check podcast where somebody does talk about how hot they thought Beetlejuice was. He's got a little bit of that energy. I'm just saying. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, He's got that dead dick energy. <laughs> There's the name of a new podcast. <laughs> I would, I would, yeah, probably. I would. I don't think I would. I would probably break out some sort of riff costume. Okay, wear a hunch. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. way, in case people are walking by, they're like, what's going on over there? They're probably <laughs> shooting a porn. Right, right. So <laughs> I'd keep it low-key, but yeah, I would I would probably dress for the occasion. It's hard not to. Yeah. Like, well, you know, I'll, I'll half my suitcase when I go to England eventually is going to be costumes. I'll yeah, bring my Shaun of the Dead for the Winchester. Sure. Probably Harry Potter robes because yep. nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I am so pissed I didn't go to the Winchester. It just didn't work out when I went on my honeymoon. Like, that was a thing. Oh, we really? We go to that and all the Hot Fuzz locations that we could. Oh, man. It's harder than you realize. I'm, I'm sure. Like, in my head, it's a hop, skip, and a jump. But I'm sure. sure once you're actually over there. But if you're going over there just to do it, that's amazing. Fingers crossed. And since you're on my podcast, mm. I'm making you promise to bring me. Thank you so much for promising to do that. Now, uh... Sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you take the seat. I fit in overhead. I'm a pretty small okay, dude, good. so that's, we, that's we can we can con our way over there. Yeah, that works out. Is there a song that you like to, regardless of how much you love any of these the most, that you mm-hmm. like to sing along with the most? Is there a particular sing-along for you that really, Ooh. or maybe that you excel at? I don't know if you're a singer. I used to do karaoke with Sweet Transvestite, yeah. All right, good. Yep, I would well I would put on my, my best Tim Curry and, mm-hmm. you know, 
strut around the the, uh, the karaoke stage. This was mostly in college. Yeah. Um, so I haven't done it in a few years, but like I, I still like when I'm listening to it, even mm. while I'm just in my kitchen, I can't help but do that. How do you do? I? Of course. So, you know, it's, you can't <laughs> no. not sing along to that song. Oh, it's so good. And even, even though it's a part of you that's like, I kind of feel bad saying this now, but it's still, <laughs> well, it, it's, you know, as, as, as the, as the kids say, it's a banger. Mm-hmm. That song is so good. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, and the bonus here is I don't think there's an element of judgment in any of these songs. No. Maybe, maybe some term, terminology is definitely changed for Under, sure for understandings sure. of what uh being gender fluid etc have changed but i also think this is one of those movies that made people aware that that's a thing i do think yeah. people have been like oh wait it's a dude dresses a woman who's maybe a man maybe sort of a like but it's at no point is this a, a point of contention where he's like i don't know what i am he's like no i 100 percent know what right. I am. i'm whatever the fuck exactly that's the thing like yeah the terminology it, itself is dated but sure. when this came out this film was about you know it's about breaking boundaries yeah and, you know, times evolve and, mm-hmm. you know, its heart was in the right place. And yeah. I think you can still accept this film, warts and all. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's definitely some strange <laughs> way. You know, there's there's definitely some moments where you're like, they're handling this terribly, but I love this film very much. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. the, the the sexual politics at certain points are a little, sure. a little dated. But yeah. you, you can, I think it's possible to acknowledge that there are things that did not age well with this film while also still loving it because its heart was in the right place. Absolutely. It was about breaking taboos. Yeah. So I'm going to, I think you've made the argument for the movie mm-hmm. and you've made an argument for the soundtrack. But uh, what I always ask is let's say you haven't seen the movie. Let's say you have the same experience you had when you were a kid and mm. you never even heard this album. <laughs> and you've at least explained it to somebody who doesn't know any better. Why listen? Why give this a listen? On its own, and then you can say, "Please watch the movie, also." But I mean, for sure, you should. But uh, the album itself is just a solid representation of different musical genres mm-hmm. of the '70s. I feel you know, you have your rock, you have your '70s love ballads in there. You there's definitely a cool blend of the musical culture of that time in this album. Yeah, and I feel it it represents. That mid seventies, you know, Queen is just getting hot, and sure. Bowie and the Stones. There's definitely elements of them. Mm-hmm. There's elements of you know, kind of fifties rock that was experiencing a little bit of a nostalgia wave in the seventies. Yeah, that kind of you know, do the twist mentality that works its way into certain songs between you know Brad and Janet. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the it's it's kind of a musical time capsule. I mm-hmm. feel. Of, of that time that also happens to be absolutely insane and funny and it covers a lot at once and even if you don't know much about Rocky Horror which I feel like is tough these days mm-hmm. unless you're a kid mm-hmm. um, you can make up a story in your mind mm-hmm. and it becomes the Monster Mash <laughs> <laughs> you're now making me think that I want to cover the American Graffiti soundtrack just for the sake of taking the whitest thing in the world and mm-hmm. comparing it to this. Like, that's a soundtrack that everybody <laughs> had. My parents both okay. had it separately, and then they both got together. Yeah. And I like it. I like this probably way too white music from the 50s. But sure. but this is one of those things that's adventurous and uh, fun to listen to. And again, perennial. It's obviously, it's continued to go on and will continue to because certain people are very persistent people right. who like good shit and fun shit and like enjoying themselves and throwing shit at the screen exactly. what are the things remind me a few of the things that get thrown it's been a while mm, uh you throw rice during the wedding scene. yes uh you throw uh toilet paper specifically scott if you can when they say oh. great scott yes 
uh, which you could also do at Back to the Future, but they'll probably kick you out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, <laughs> they, uh, when they say a toast, you throw toast up sure, in the air. Sure. Um, what else is there? Uh, you bring bells when they mention bells. Uh-huh. You, ding, 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 ding. you don't throw it. That would hurt. Uh-huh. Uh, what else is there? There's so much. I know. Like those are like the, those are always the standard ones, but it changes every place you see it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, when I first saw it in L.A., they had their whole a whole different set of things that they did Mm -hmm. where, you know, I'm ready to yell this particular, particular, terrible, insulting thing at this character. And they have a different version of that. I'm like, Oh, Oh, interesting. They work this into it in LA, which Mm -hmm. I was ill prepared for. Like every, every city seems to have its own kind of traditions with Rocky horror. Uh huh. That's cool. The ones, the throwing things seems to be pretty standard for sure, which you do in the theater version as well. Not just the movie theater, which Mm -hmm. is a little bit more, you feel bad when you're throwing toilet paper at actors. For real. For real. If you I guys mean, do this for a drinking game, leave well, that I mean, part nobody out. feels bad at throwing peanuts at us during Princess Bride. We get shit thrown at us. That's at least fair. that's like the worst of it. I've been pelted with marshmallows, peanuts, mm. nothing that's ever hurt. Although those fake snowballs for Elf kind of pack a punch. Yeah, I apologize for that one. That's... I was I was at the throwing end of that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you guys not having any throwing moments in Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, for Just real. Just shaving cream and uh-huh. water and... I felt very gross. <laughs> Actually, I think I've gotten the worst of all of them because I get shaving cream dumped on me when I when we're in Ghostbusters because I play Walter oh, Peck. Oh yeah, and they it's they do a fucking tub of shaving oh, cream bud. on me. Yeah, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Not whipped cream, shaving cream. I mean, the audience loves it though. You got to play it. it. To be fair, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Ryan, yes. this has been awesome. Yeah, thank you for you having me. You are welcome me. back anytime, please. I, I would love to come back. Um, this is going to come out in a few weeks, so it's going to be a little bit of a delay. Sure. But do you have anything that people should keep a lookout for? Any stuff people should watch that's already out there? Where can people find you and follow you? For sure. Um, coming probably about a month or so after this episode airs, I have a new show coming out to a new streaming platform launching called Vidispace. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show is called Sound Scary, mm-hmm. and we interview people... It's kind of a, almost a, a bizarro version of this show. We talk to people about horror soundtracks, uh, various scary things throughout the pop culture world. Um, we're going to have Jason on at one point. Woo-hoo. So you'll be able to catch him on my show where I'll grill him about the Halloween soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, equally as hilarious as Rocky Horror. <laughs> uh, so I have that coming out. Uh, the Where It Was Made back episodes are available on JoeBlow.com. Those are great. And I can be found on the various social medias as Ryan underscore Coltrera, because I'm very original with coming up with usernames. <laughs> See, but all your usernames are uniform. I have screwed up. My Twitter's JClom, mm-hmm. and my Instagram is JasonClom. Oh, and okay. I'm various. Just go to JasonClom.com. But if you do follow me on uh, Instagram, hashtag the professional blur. That's me doing my extra work so I can write a fucking book about it, guys. Just please, please make it so I don't have to work a day job. It's not your job. Just help me sell a book. I'm really putting this all on you guys. That's that's unfair. Anyway, no pressure, no pressure at all. Ryan, again, <laughs> thank you for doing the show. Thank you, everyone out there. Don't dream it, be it. Perfect. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. 
give us a five-star rating, and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15 plus years. 